We are in week three of a sermon series that we're calling Divine Direction, and it's all about making godly decisions. It's all about hearing God's voice. It's all about us trying to kind of learn what God's will is for us and how to get into his will and how to stay in his will and to experience the plan that he has for us. Because as believers, we know that God's plan for us is beautiful and and the future that he calls us to and the life that he has for us is amazing. So this is all about making great decisions and staying in God's will. Um, Week one, we talked about kind of the who and the what and the why. Uh, Last week, we talked a little bit about the how. And today, we're going to hit a hard word, and that word is when. When. Um, Just to get us started, how many of you um, can help me out with a little poll? How many of you have ever been on a long car trip with kids? Hold on, put them down. I'm not talking about Austin. Okay, I'm not about Houston. I'm talking about a legit 12, 13, 14 hour siege in the car with kids. Gonna see your hands, okay, very good. Now of those of you in that control group, how many of you would just be very transparent and just say at some point on that trip you considered throwing your kids out the window? Just really quick, and listen, there's no judgment, okay? And we're not judging you. I'm not saying you did it, right? I'm saying it crossed your mind, right? Or maybe not throwing them out the window, maybe you just thought about like leaving it at a gas station or something, right? You didn't do it, but it crossed your mind. And if it did cross your mind, I bet I know why. I bet it was because they asked the question. One time too many, right? If you don't have kids, you don't know. The question is, are we there yet? A study was recently done at the University of Oregon and they learned that four-year-old children on average will ask that question once every 30 seconds on a trip. On a 12-hour trip, that is 43,200 times. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Till you finally turn around and say, yeah, you know what, we are there. I've just been driving around in circles because I want to hear you ask that stupid question again. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Parents, on a scale of one to 10, how much do you hate that question? That's a 12, right, for sure. It's been making parents crazy since Mary and Joseph took Jesus on his first car trip when he was 12 years old. You know the story, it's in Luke chapter two, and they took him to Jerusalem, and then they accidentally left him back there when they headed home. Maybe, or maybe they just couldn't take that question all the way back home to Nazareth. Are we there yet? How much longer? Can we just be there now? It's so frustrating for us as parents, but to be fair, a long trip is hard on a kid. You know, they don't don't have like a clear concept of time yet, and so, you know, when you're saying three more hours, four more hours, it may not mean very much to them. And, and to be fair, they, they don't really like have an appreciation of how great it's gonna be when you get there and that it's worth the trip. And they don't really know for sure that mom and dad know where they're driving, right? But all they know is they're, they're frustrated and their, their, their butts are tired and their sister's poking them and they have to pee and they just want this to be over. So the other day, you know, typical day, 
Um, people are hurting and, and hurting each other and somebody else is sick and somebody else is mad and somebody else got divorced. Another heartbreak, another death, another loss, another bad diagnosis, another argument, another angry person, another case of COVID, another case of cancer, another political argument. You know, just another day. You've had them. And I just thought, I just need to zone out a little. You know, and so I went where we go to hide social media, right? So I pick up my phone and I begin to scroll. I'm just gonna forget it all for a little while, you know? And I just start scrolling through, but guess what I saw? People that are hurting, people that are hurting each other. Somebody else is sick, somebody else is mad. Another bad diagnosis, another argument. It's like, I just, I, I can't do anymore. So I'm just gonna completely forget everything, I put the phone away, I'm just gonna blank out in front of the TV, right? Turn on the TV, news. Can you guess? Somebody else is hurting. And somebody else is hurting each other. Another divorce, another death, another loss, another fight. And it just, like, maybe you felt this, like the world's a mess. And it seems like it's getting worse. And I don't know if you've ever felt that feeling of just being so frustrated, just so tired of the world. And I felt like, maybe you've had this, it's like I'm so frustrated with what's happening around me, it's like I don't know how to pray. You ever had that feeling? It's like, God, look at what's going on. God, I, I, don't, even, I don't even know how to pray. And I started thinking, you know, someday God's kingdom is coming. Right? And someday, Jesus is coming back and he's gonna make everything right and he's gonna make everything new and he's gonna dry every tear and no more anger. No more racism, no more politics, no more arguing, no more COVID, no more fighting about COVID, no more betrayal or divorce or cancer or death. Someday. I don't know about you, but I'm ready now. So I couldn't think of how else to pray, so I prayed the only way I could think of. And I said, God, are we there yet? When are we gonna get there? When are you gonna come back? Amen. When are you gonna come back and make everything right? When are you gonna come back and make everything new? When are you gonna come back and wipe away every tear? Are we there yet? Do you ever feel that way about your life? Do you ever feel like, God, I know you have a plan, right? And I know it's a plan for good, I believe that. I believe it's a plan for future and hope. I believe it's gonna happen, but how much longer? When? Am I gonna see your plan and my great decisions come together? When am I gonna experience this rich, satisfying, abundant life I keep hearing about? And I know you're making me like Jesus, but when am I gonna stop giving in to temptation? When am I gonna stop failing? When am I gonna lose the pride? When, when am I gonna do all this great stuff for the kingdom and when is it all gonna make sense? 
Are we there yet? When will God's plan for this world and our lives all come together for good? And the answer is October 24th. Oh, no, hold on. I'm sorry. That's, that's our church anniversary. The answer to this one is we don't know. We don't know. As we make these great decisions by divine direction, God is bringing us closer and closer to his kingdom come, and he's bringing us closer and closer to this rich, satisfying, amazing, abundant life, and he's bringing us closer and closer to being like Jesus, but we're not there yet, and we don't know when we're gonna get there. So for right now, we walk this thing out, right? Step by step in faith, trusting that God will get us there. And if you've been on this journey for a while, I know that you will agree with me that it's not just a journey, it's a trip, right? We're tripping, right? How are we gonna get through it? When? How are we gonna get through between now and then? It's gonna happen. He's gonna give us this amazing life. He's gonna make us like Jesus. He's gonna come back and make everything right. How are we gonna get through now? How are we gonna survive this trip? That's what we're gonna talk about today. But first, I've got five tips for surviving a long car trip with your children, okay? These are not all uh, perfect tips. They're not all biblical tips. Um, They're not all good tips. We're gonna do something to survive the trip. So if you're traveling for the holidays, you might wanna jot these down. Number one, tip number one, games. Play games in the car. Look for license plates. Count white cars. Count cows. Play games. Tip number two, coins and coupons. Take something with you to reward them with and take away from them uh, according to their behavior. Tip number three, hard candy. Okay, those little uh, butterscotch things are awesome. Um, The cinnamon discs are awesome. The granddaddy of them all, root beer barrels. Those are the best for trips because when you're driving, you're like, it kind of distracts you while you're unwrapping them, but you can keep your eyes on the road. Also, if the kids are good, you can use them for a reward. If the kids are bad, you can use them as a torpedo, okay? (laughs) Tip number four, spank the kids before you leave. This is uh, like one of the legends of my dad um, that before we would go on trips, he would take all three of us, line us up, and give us a legit spanking uh, before we even get in the car. And then you're driving along, the kids start acting up, and you just turn back to the kids and you say, do you remember what happened before we left the house? Do you want it to happen again? It's remarkably effective. Um, Kind of on that same uh, line, and this one I'm just working on, I've mentioned this before, but I can't get the funding for R&D on this one. But it's a little invention I have, it's called the kid in the trunk seatbelt sucker. Uh, the way this works, it looks like a belt lap on the kid, like, like the, you know what they have on your, like the old car seatbelts just goes across there, and so the kids sit like this, and mom and dad have a button on the dash. Kids are sitting like this, they start acting up, and you push the button, and a little motor just like, pulls them back into the trunk. Okay, so again, not, listen, they're not perfect tips. I didn't say they were perfect. But we gotta do something. Otherwise, how are we gonna survive this trip? And I think a better question is, how are we gonna survive the trip, right? As God is making us like Jesus, he's getting us ready for his kingdom to come, 
And he's taken us to this rich, satisfying life, man. He wants to give you divine direction to get you there. But we're not there yet. So we gotta figure out how to survive the trip. We need some tips for surviving the trip. And so I'm thinking about Paul. We talk about him all the time. He made a lot of great decisions. He had an amazing life. He obviously experienced divine direction. And something he said in Acts 20 actually includes some really great tips for surviving this trip. And so if you've got your Bibles, we're gonna look at Acts 20. And what's going on here, he's in Ephesus, right? And he loves it there, and he loves the people there, and it's going great. But he's having this divine direction, and he feels like God is calling him, and he's gonna leave, and he's gonna go to Jerusalem. So if you've got your Bibles or phones or whatever you do, or we'll put it on the screen, this is gonna be Acts 20, verse 22. We're looking for five tips for surviving the trip. Here it comes. He says, now I'm bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem, and I don't know what awaits me, except... The Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. We're gonna go fast today. Five tips for surviving the trip. Here's your first tip. Listen to the Spirit. Paul says something really amazing there. He says, I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. Bound by the Spirit is a phrase. In the Greek, it's deo honuma, deo honuma. And deo means like I'm being moved, or I'm being pulled. And here, literally what that word means is I am bound to something that is moving. So as an example, if I'm tied to you, I am compelled to go where you go, right? And that's what this word deo, it means I'm, I'm, I'm compelled to move by numa which is the spirit, it's, it's the spirit of God. It also means like a wind or a breeze or a current. So deo honuma means that I'm being pulled, I'm being moved by the spirit and he's leading me, but not with a stick, right? Not with a cattle prod, but he's like gently as I'm, as I'm sensing him, I'm following along the current with God. So at my house, Margaret and I, some of you know, are living in one room right now at our house. And so my coffee pot is in the room where we sleep. And I've got it on one of those timers. And so that timer goes off in the morning and I hear it. It's like, it clicks on and there starts. And it's, it's making the coffee. And then I can smell the coffee as, it, as it's like while well, I'm still laying in bed. And so what's happening for me is in the morning, like the sound and the smell of that coffee is moving me, right? It's pulling me. This is Deo Ho Coffee, right? It's, it's I'm, listen, I'm bound. I'm, I'm compelled as I sense the coffee. I hear it. I smell it. As I sense it, I'm bound to move. And I think... If we want to sense God's divine direction, we got to listen to the Spirit so that he can compel me, so that he can pull me, so that he can move me. If we're going to walk by faith, if we're going to survive this trip, we got to stay tuned in to the Spirit. And we can hear his voice in his word for sure. That's probably the first place. But we also got to listen to his Spirit, just like Paul did. And I think sometimes that just means being still enough and quiet enough for long enough to listen. 
And it sounds weird, right? I'm gonna hear from God. It sounds kind of spooky or something like that, but you may have already actually heard God's voice. Have you ever, have you ever experienced, maybe you've experienced Deo Honuma already in your life. Have you ever like just been thinking about somebody or praying for somebody and you think, man, they're going through a lot. I think I'm gonna shoot them a text right now, right? It could be nothing. It could be you're just a nice person or it could be Deo Honuma. Maybe that was the Spirit speaking to you, telling you to do that thing. Maybe he's spoken to you and said, you know what, you need to encourage that person. You need to invite that person to church. Maybe he's told you, you need to write a book. Maybe he's told you that you need to volunteer or that you need to give somebody a hug or you need to join a life group or start a life group or upgrade your boyfriend or change the way you talk to your wife. First tip for surviving the trip of divine direction is to listen to the spirit. Tip number two, get used to not knowing. I like what Paul says, verse 22. I don't know what awaits me. He says, I'm going, I'm going. But I don't know what's gonna happen when I get there. And if if you're gonna survive the trip of divine direction, sometimes that means you trust where God has taken you even when you don't know where that is. And listen, if you're a, um, like a planaholic, and I know none of you are, but maybe you're sitting with one right now. These are the people that think they're the general manager of the universe, right? They gotta be on top of every single thing and they gotta know everything that's gonna happen, everything that could happen, everything that might happen. And for those of us, that, those of you that are like that, it's hard, it's hard, but we wanna know every step that's gonna happen. Right? We wanna know every curve that's gonna come up. We wanna know every bump that's gonna be in the road. But historically, typically, God doesn't tell people about every step. He just tells them to start walking. You remember what he told Abraham? He told Abraham, think of the, think of the tenses of these verbs. He says, go to a place that I will show you. Go to a place that I will show you. It's like you, you start going and I'll start showing, right? But you go before you know exactly what's gonna happen. You know, one of my favorite verses is Psalm 119, 105. It says, your word is a lamp for my feet. It's a light for my path. And I read that and I like it because I'm a planaholic, right? And I think I'm gonna just like open my Bible and it's gonna be like, whomp, and it's gonna be 50 million lumen floodlight. It's gonna, and I'm gonna say, oh, there, now I see every turn. Now I see every bump. The word has lit up my path, and I know everything that's gonna happen for the rest of my life. But you know, that's me trying to put, that's what I call a lamp. This was written 3,000 years ago, right? There were no LEDs in those days. So when he said it's a lamp, Think what a lamp was 3,000 years ago. It's a candle in a jar, right? So it's only gonna light up a little bit of the path at a time. We We wanna know, man. We want the details. And sometimes I think God is saying to us, you can't handle the details. And sometimes I think he just wants us to trust him enough to start walking. And he doesn't tell us, and somebody doesn't tell us for a reason. Sometimes I think he doesn't tell us everything very intentionally, right? Here's a great example. So when they asked me about starting this church, and I said, I mean, 
I mean, I'm in the real estate business, you know? I'm teaching three-year-old Sunday school right now. That's my ministry, right? I don't know about being a pastor of a church, and they said, oh, no, no, it's not gonna be like that. It's gonna be 20 or 30 people, right? You're gonna sit in your living room. We'll give you a video of a sermon. All you have to do, here's the fateful words, all you have to do is press play, right? And so I said, okay, I'll do it if that's all it is. Man, if I would have been able to know what was really gonna happen, I would have never done it. I mean, I'm glad I did, and it's awesome, but I mean, I would have been scared to death. I would, if I would have known all the stuff that was gonna happen over the last 15 years, there is no way that I, and you know what, they would have never offered it to me, because they would have realized how unqualified I was. Thank God none of us could see the future. We had to get used to not knowing everything, and sometimes I think part of God's divine direction is that he doesn't show us every step, and there's a reason for that. And then sometimes it's fun, you know, sometimes you do something, you know, and you know you're being obedient or whatever and you're following divine direction. It doesn't really make sense, but then later you kind of go, oh, yeah, yeah, now, sure, now it makes sense, right? But I'm, I'm telling you, you might as well just get used to not knowing because there are going to be some things that God's going to direct you to do and you're never going to understand why. And then, yeah, 10,000 years from now, when you're in heaven, you know, roasting marshmallows with Jesus or whatever, somebody's gonna come up to you and tell you how they met Jesus, and then you're gonna say, oh, that's why that had to happen 10,000 years ago. If we're gonna survive this trip, we might as well get used to not knowing. Craig Rochelle has a great line in his book. He says, if you aren't living with some uncertainty, you are not living the faith life. Some of us don't want that. Some of us don't, some of us want God to like lay out his case for us, right? Show me exactly what's gonna happen and show me how it's gonna go and then I'll follow. Right? We, don't, we don't wanna walk by faith. We want to walk by verifiable facts, right? It's like, I, I don't really wanna be led. I wanna be convinced. But I'm just telling you, we don't see that that often in the Bible. In John chapter one, there's a story of Andrew, and we th I think it's John that's with him when they meet Jesus for the first time. So here's Jesus being baptized, right? John the Baptist is baptizing him. Remember, the sky opens up and all that stuff happens. They've been waiting for the Messiah for hundreds of years. They've been waiting for the Messiah, waiting for the Messiah, waiting for the Messiah. And now John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. The sky opens up, the dove comes down, you know the story. And then John the Baptist says, behold, the Lamb of God. And Andrew and John said, this is it, man. This is odd. That's him right there. That's him. And so they're like following him. Get this picture. This is God, right? And they know who he is. And so he's walking like back to his hotel or whatever. And Andrew and John, they're like, they're like walking behind him all like nervous. And if Jesus looks back, they like pretend they're tying their shoe or something. They're like, uh. Finally, Jesus turns around to him. This is what he says. What do you want? <laughs> and they like, they choke. They, they, the pressure, they, they just, and they're, they're like, what do you want? You know, they, they, don't, they don't know what to say, and so they say, um, where are you staying? Which is like, I mean, what's up? God? They're, they're really, they're like super, super nervous, and Jesus, Jesus calls them, but he doesn't say, here's what's gonna happen over the next three years. He doesn't say, here's how all of eternity is gonna be changed. He doesn't say these are the people we're gonna heal and they're gonna come back from the dead and all the hardship and persecution we're gonna go through. You know what he says to them? Come and see. 
And that's it. And they followed him. Jesus called a lot of his disciples just by saying, follow me. And that's it. Not a lot of details. And I think when you make this choice to come and see what God's plan has for you, and you make this choice that you're going to follow Jesus, I mean, he might show you more than he showed them. But just in case, you might want to get used to not knowing if you're going to survive the trip. Also, um, get comfortable being uncomfortable. There's a fun one. You came to be encouraged today, right? Get comfortable being uncomfortable. Here's what I liken this to. Boomers, baby boomers, I know you're with me on this. Remember when we were kids in the back seat? No car seats. There's no car seats. We would put blankets and pillows in the floor, and then that was basically a football field back there, right? We're climbing up behind the seat. We're climbing into the front seat. We're playing all over. But kids today, it's like they just accept it. Can you imagine, boomers, imagine if your parents would have put you in a car seat? It's like a straitjacket. They're clipping you all in, and you're like, oh, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And now kids are just like, all right. <laughs> Bring it, right? They've just, they just accept it. You know, they've just gotten comfortable being uncomfortable. And I think that's what Paul did. Look how casual he is about this in verse 23. He says, you know, I don't really know what's coming in. I do know jail and suffering lie ahead. So, you know, bring it, right? <laughs> Strap me in. He's, he's just, he's very comfortable that jail and suffering are what's coming for him. And I think for us, we have to, we have to kind of remember just because this is fallout from the prosperity gospel of the last half century, but just because we're in God's will, and just because we're following his plan, and just because we're experiencing divine direction, does not mean that we're not gonna run into trouble. Who told you that? It, it probably means you will run into trouble. You know, people come to me all the time and they say, I don't understand it, I, I, I'm trying to follow God, I'm trying to do what the Bible says, I'm listening to his spirit, I'm doing what he tells me, I'm trying to live out this amazing life and I, I lost my job, or I got sick, or somebody was mean to me, so I don't know, maybe I'm on the wrong track. It's like, yeah, maybe you're on the right track, right? Because resistance is not always a sign that you're out of God's will. It might be a sign that you're doing exactly what God wants you to do. Because when you follow Jesus, when you follow his word, when you listen to his spirit, when you try to stay in his word, when you experience divine direction, and you stay in God's will, and you stay on his plan, it's a good plan, man. It's a plan for life, it's a plan for future, it's a plan for hope, it's a plan for new life, better life, eternal life. And you know who hates that stuff? Satan. The Bible says he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He's not gonna win, but he's sure not just gonna roll over, right? He's gonna do everything he can to derail you. And you just might as well get comfortable with that. And so, like, how am I supposed to get comfortable with that, right? How much, Satan is coming against me and he's gonna put me in jail and he's gonna put me in a car seat and he's gonna do all this mean, horrible stuff to me. How do I get comfortable with that? Here's how you get comfortable with that. You remember that God works all things together for good, even the hard stuff, even uncomfortableness, even in jail and suffering, God can work good. Do you remember that one time when Paul was in jail, the jailer and his whole family got saved because Paul was in jail. Maybe he's using the struggle that you're in today to develop the strength that you need 
tomorrow. When you follow God's plan, Satan is going to fight and he's gonna make you very uncomfortable and God can use the uncomfortable. Um, For one thing, he can use it to grow you, but man, surviving the trip means getting comfortable being uncomfortable. Step number four, tip number four. Find your purpose in every place. Find your purpose. If you're gonna survive this trip, find your purpose in every place. And here's a new development for us on our car trips because the kids are gone now, right? So it's just me and Margaret now and we drive. And for most of, I mean, all of my life, every trip I've gone on, I drive. I drive. And some people think it's because I'm a control freak. But it's not. It's just because I don't want somebody else to do it because they might do it wrong. (laughs) So... I drive, that's how I roll, right? And so of, of the millions of miles we've driven together, I've driven virtually all of them. Um, but in the last few years, I've learned something amazing. And that is, if she drives, I can read, I can write, I can study, I can work. I, it's, that's, and the stuff that I do while she's driving, that's not the reason for the trip. But I'm there anyway. I might as well get something done. The downtime doesn't have to be downtime. And that, that's like Paul's attitude. Look, he says, like, I don't know what's gonna happen. Apparently there's gonna be some jail and suffering. He says, but I really don't care because verse 24, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling the good news about the wonderful grace of God. So Jesus has called Paul to do something. He's got a purpose And that purpose is all he cares about. It's telling people about Jesus. And he can do that wherever he is. He can do that whatever he's doing, and he does. You know, Paul goes town to town, and in every town, he's talking about Jesus. When when he's in court, he's telling the judge about Jesus. While they're whipping him, he's telling the guy with the whip about Jesus, whether he's traveling on a boat, when he's shipwrecked, when he's driving in his car, wherever he goes, whatever he's doing, he's doing the work assigned to him by Jesus. He's found his purpose in every place. So, Paul had divine direction, but he didn't have a 10-year plan of exactly where he would go. He didn't have a plan of exactly every step he was gonna take. Paul's plan was to obey. That was his plan. He was just gonna do what Jesus told him to do wherever he was, whatever he was doing. And this doesn't mean that you don't plan. It doesn't mean that you don't set goals or structure your life or organize your life. What it means is, like, as that plan unfolds, right, and before you get there, like you might not be at your ultimate destination yet. You might not be at the, like the pinnacle of your calling, but you can be who God calls you to be, and you can do what God calls you to do right here, right now, wherever you are, because fulfilling your purpose doesn't start when you arrive. It starts now wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Maybe instead of asking, are we there yet? We should be asking, what can we do here? What can I do now? Is there somebody around me right now, where I'm at, that's hurting or lost or scared? Is there somebody in this time? Is there somebody in this place that I can share Jesus with? 
Uh, the other day, Margaret and I went to buy a door. Um, and so we saw this on Marketplace that this guy's selling like front doors for a house, right? And so we went to pretty seedy area, right? This guy's got like a storage unit off 35 and whatever. Anyway, so we go in there to meet this guy to look at these doors that he's got. And then he's like a half hour late. He gets out of his truck. He's a mess. This guy's maybe 35. He's all, his hair's a mess. His clothes are all dirty and everything. And he gets out of his truck. And we thought he probably had brought us there to kill us is what we were thinking. But he gets out of his car and he's like, he's just, he's just a mess. And he's, oh, I'm sorry I'm late. I'm sorry I look like this and everything. My wife died last week. He was like 35 years old. So we look at his doors. We didn't buy a door that day. But we got a chance to pray with him. So let me ask you a question. Was that prayer keeping me from fulfilling my purpose? Or was that prayer my purpose? Because that wasn't my plan, right? We went to buy a door. But I think we have to remember that fulfilling our purpose is more important than executing our plan. I'm gonna say that again because you should have said amen right there. Get ready. Fulfilling your purpose is more important than executing your plan. Yeah, because you can do it while the plan unfolds. Right? You can do it until the plan happens. And so, you know, leads to a good question, right? Well, what is my purpose that I'm supposed to be doing everywhere I go, at every stop I make, whoever I'm with? What is my purpose? And you know what your purpose is? It's the same as Paul's. He said his was telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Your purpose is sharing the love of Jesus. And you can do that while the plan unfolds. You can do that until the plan happens. You can find that purpose in every place. Tip number five, to survive the trip, trust your father. I can, if you're a young parent, I can give you some encouragement um, for us. As our kids got older, the question got less frequent. They didn't ask, so are we there yet? Are we there yet? As they got a little older, I guess they got, they got more mature. They'd been on a few trips. They knew the destination was worth it. Uh, their bladders get bigger, apparently, as I go. And, and so they didn't ask quite as often, but I think the main reason is they'd finally learned, you know what, dad eventually gets us there. Might as well trust that and enjoy the journey. And so for us, I think sometimes it may seem like we'll never get there. Like we'll never get to his kingdom come. We'll never get to this amazing life. We'll never become like Jesus. But your father's pretty good. And he'll get you there. And he will finish the work he started in you. Trust your father. I think that's what Paul was talking about in verse 24. He says, the good news is about the wonderful grace of God. He will give you rich, satisfying abundant life and he will make you like Jesus and he will make all things new he's a good father he keeps his promises I'm gonna leave you with one of his best promises today is a Psalm 32 8 the Lord says I will guide you along the best pathway for your life I will advise you and watch over you if you want to survive the trip trust that trust his plan 
Trust your Father. Let's pray. Father, we thank you because we can trust you and we can know that you have this amazing plan for us. And when you say that you're gonna finish the work you completed in us, that's a promise. And we can know that it's gonna happen. When you say you're gonna make all things new and dry every tear, we know that that is true. When you say that you've come to give us rich, satisfying, amazing, abundant life, God, we know that that is true. But for me, I, I confess, a lot of times it's like, are we there yet? I, what's taking so long? When is it gonna happen? And so Lord, as we're going through this, this trip, we just remind us to, to listen to you. Listen to your spirit. God, will you just remind us that we don't have to know every single step along the way. God, will you remind us that even when we're uncomfortable, it doesn't mean that we're out of your will. It might mean that we're right in the middle of your will. God, will you remind us of what our purpose is and it's not accomplishing tasks. It's not doing stuff. It's not going places. Our purpose is to share the love of Christ with the people around us. And God, will you please just, we trust you, but will you just help us trust you more? Will you just help us really completely put our faith in you and just know that you will get us there that your plans will come to pass and they are plans for good and a future and for hope and that we will have this rich, satisfying, abundant life and that you will make us like Jesus. God, will you help us to not struggle so much and try so hard and strive so much for that to happen and instead just trust you to bring about those changes and to execute your plan for our lives. God, help us to trust you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for being here today. If you're visiting with us, man, I would love to know that you were here. So if you'll stop at our Connection Center, they will give you a present. If you will fill out a card and tell them you're here for the first time, I'd love to give you a call this week. If you're with us online, let us know in the chat or the comments that you're with us for the first time. Love to contact you. Have a great week this week. God bless you guys.